mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com What are you eating? One of your cashew nuts. I Yeah. The emergency cashew nuts. Something very important has happened behind the scenes. We've been given a new desk area, Jane. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention it. We have. I mean, it's of no interest to anybody except us, and we like it. Well, I think it is of interest because I think both you and I will sound livelier and brighter when we come to the podcast because we've been allowed to move from where we were, which was by the recycling bins, mm. and we've now got a view out over St Paul's Cathedral. But the very exciting thing is we've got our own drawers, haven't we? We've got drawers for the very first time. I've genuinely never had a drawer at work. Neither have I. I've had a cubby hole, but nothing exciting really ever happened in that. Or a locker. I once had a locker, but in a very, very difficult-to-reach part of the building by the garage... I thought you meant they just put it really high up just to annoy you. <laughs> so you didn't have a I actually really hate that. The place where I swim sometimes has a row of high lockers, which n- none of us can reach. No, I know. It's not it even normal sized women can reach those. Normal sized women. <laughs> but anyway, as a result of having our own drawers, uh, we've now got fantastic snacks that we can secrete away. Yeah. Don't tell, don't, you've not bloody told what if Matt Chorley hears this. He'll be snuffing around for your nuts. <laughs> I don't think he will. He's not that kind of a man, is he? No, he's always here. So. Well, that's very true. But he does need to be here at the moment because he's on 24-hour standby for political news. I mean, it's just coming It's coming at us from all angles at the moment, isn't I it? I do suspect, though, that quite a few people have checked out. I, I really do. Do you remember when we first started here, it was just the crazed hubbub of the Liz Truss rain. And then we thought it would pipe down for a well, bit. It did for about 10 minutes, but it's never really, it's never really gone. We've got the, we've got an election. Well, it might not even be, oh, it will be next year, won't it? It has to be next year. It doesn't yeah. have to be within. Yeah, it has to be next year or perhaps in the January of 2025. Yes, no, I think it needs to be within the next 18 months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God almighty. Let's just talk briefly about Miriam Margulies. Yeah. Let's <laughs> diversify from the politically preapic yes. former prime minister. Yeah, yes. And to the absolutely, I mean, in no way connected to that remark, Miriam Margulies, um, who is doing a lot of publicity because she's in Vogue magazine. Um, she's on the cover. This is, I think, I think this. Oh yes, I've got the cover in front of me. She's wearing a, is that um, what do they call it? Um, she's wearing a what looks to be a glacial blue silk, stiff silk cape. Yeah, and then is the pearls the, is the word you're searching for a fascinator and a fascinator and yeah. a jet black fascinator. And she's had her hair in an updo. Yeah, she looks, she so looks it is smart. amazing that she's on the front cover of Vogue, and all hail to the editorial team who've made Vogue's covers really, really different over the last year or so. It's the arrival of Edward Enenfall, but he's on his way out, isn't he? Well, he is because there's been a, a struggle, a power struggle, <laughs> at the top 
of Vogue, which as far as niche power struggles go, it's probably about as niche as you can get. Um, although I think fondly of Edward, I never met him, but my um, eldest child's first job was as a, a waitress in a coffee shop in West London where he was a regular and he was always very polite. Well, in that case, I mean, so, that's absolutely his character backed up. Well, the, the thing is, once learnt that, that sort of fact, you can never unlearn it about somebody. So I can't unknow. So every time I see him, I think he had good manners. Shall we just return to Miriam Margulies briefly for a sec? So she's got uh, she's got her ice buns out. She's got some ice buns covering her bazooms in another of the photographs that yeah. are appearing in this special edition of Vogue, which we should should say is to mark LGBTQ plus trailblazers. Yeah, so, so it's pride. Yes, yeah, very moment. good idea. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Anyway, um, she's in the Mirror Gossip column as well today. <laughs> she tells Vogue in the interview she's given um, that she's writing her second autobiography. When asked why, she replied, I'm writing it because I'm being paid. Her first book sold three million copies. That's amazing. So she says, they asked me to do it again and it's a lot of money. A quarter of a million. More than you thought. I've only earned that on a film once, she said. Which, okay, I'm going to say something that might mark me out as being somewhat ridiculous. But I'm actually surprised that she's only earned that once on a film. Because by the standards of film star salaries, a quarter of a million quid, although a ludicrous amount of money, doesn't strike me as being that high. Well, I, I suppose know. it's because she's very rarely... I can't think of a movie in which she's been the lead. Can you? And I don't suppose a character actor can ever oh, be okay. paid more than a lead right. actor. Oh, right, okay. But you're right, because I always imagine it's just, you know, absolutely ridiculous, bonkers money in films, mm. you know, mm. right from the get-go. So am I surprised by that? I don't she, know. She goes so, on to describe the Harry Potter films in which she also starred as not Dickens. Well, most things apart from Dickens aren't Dickens. No, Do you think that you and I will get an opportunity to interview her again? Because we both did interview her for her first autobiography where she went on tour and we both had quite memorable experiences. Well, I got the full treatment where she ate a raw onion in front of me and then had a wind. <laughs> a wind but Whereas you did something in Edinburgh where half the bloody audience got up and left. No, 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 don't exaggerate. Oh, okay. No, don't exaggerate. No, well, yeah, but, but I'm in this business to show myself exaggerations, but, you know, it's very important. Her autobiography surprised some people uh, in the audience <laughs> because it recounted uh, quite a lot of incidents where she had... Uh, had open-air oral sex experiences with men mm. and that just wasn't what some of the audience was <laughs> expecting. Were they not? And no, there was, a, there was a pew because we were in an old church that just got up and left. Uh, but they may have just had somewhere else to be or not realise where they were or had gone to they the were wrong auditorium. They might have done. But she was so entertaining and I have never interviewed somebody on stage in that kind of... one-on-one uh, -on -one about a book who's got a standing ovation at the end. And yeah. the audience absolutely loved her and she was priceless She's she got... just she switched something on yeah and she was just in full showbiz locomotion with voices and everything and i really enjoyed it did she do the voice that she certainly did when i interviewed her of the posh lady who was an assistant to the then prince of wales yes yeah that is that's a great great anecdote about a weekend that miriam Margulies spent as a house guest at is it sandringham i think it was sandringham it may have been Sandringham, yeah. one of them. Anyway, she was collected at Sandringham Station. It was Sandringham, because I do remember this, uh, by a lady who was um, yeah. so 
so terrifically posh <laughs> she didn't really speak a form of English that Miriam Markley's could recognise or understand. Um, and I think we've sort of... I, I can't do it justice. You're, you're very good. That's, that's more or less... Long weekend. You're saying no time there. Basically that, <laughs> yes. Um, so, and that brought the house down. I was in Guildford, which is a very sophisticated place. Um, so, yes, I've got I've got very fond memories of of doing doing her too. Yeah. So let's hope you know. Let's hope she books us in. Well, uh, yeah. Let's hope for let's the, hope the money's one. got better as well. Um, <laughs> oh, just kidding. Now, um, this is on the issue of uh, Berlusconi, um, the late Italian prime minister, who's ludicrously elaborate state funeral was unfolding as we did our Times Radio show this afternoon. Um, and this is from Megan, who says, I like your podcast. Thank you for your nuanced, separate discussions about Berlusconi and the podcast The Rest is Politics. Without wishing to turn your show into a podcast critique war, your Berlusconi discussion was very prescient, as The Rest is Politics today lacked a female voice, focusing on silly stories about free watches, his links to football, and the fact that he was, quote, an extraordinary figure of our times, all very ha-ha-ha. Very frustrating that his many crimes and comments against women were totally brushed under the carpet. Um, yours, Megan. Thank you, Megan. And yes, we did. We were saying yesterday that um, I think you said it's just good sometimes to have two middle-aged women on radio at times like this, just to say, no, hang on. Yeah. So I was very proud of yesterday's programme because we talked quite a bit about the period story as well, oh, didn't yeah. we? Period, menstrual leave. Menstrual that leave. That was yesterday. And and because when we look at Berlusconi, the thing that we see most prominently uh, is the absurd amount of sex he had with incredibly young women. Yeah, it's horrible. And so that just, you know, once you've once you put those glasses on, you can't take them off. So all of the stuff about being an incredibly wealthy man and, you know, getting away with all of these criminal <laughs> convictions and all of that type of stuff, you know, his, his wife divorced him using the phrase, I don't want to be with a man who frequents minors. Uh, so, you know, it's... I don't want to celebrate the political no. achievements of that type of man. And I think it is still rare for women to have the conversation that you have with other women in front of the microphone. So if other people are enjoying that, Jane, I think enjoying is the right word. If other people are appreciating that, uh, then we're very grateful to hear that, actually, I think. Yes, I think I mean, it just the double standard is something that I, I think I'm most exercised by here always because you can go back to any number of examples of female politicians being judged in, in ways that just seem ridiculous in contrast. But uh, Diane Abbott drinking a Marks and Sparks bevy on a train, for example. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Awful. Absolutely. Rinsed over the coals. It, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, we just we've got I think if we can't speak out about things like this and just say, hang on. Let's just look at this in a slightly different way. But also you can't, uh, you know, one week be absolutely outraged at the behaviour of older men mm. uh, dating younger people, even if it's not younger women, mm. and get your absolute knickers in a twist about that yep. and then ignore the fact that somebody else was doing that and just concentrate on how wonderful their bank balance was. What a character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bunga, bunga, bunga. Right, OK. Uh, this it's a shame one. they didn't ask us to pay tribute, actually. <laughs> 
<laughs> been there with knobs on. It's room for all thoughts. Joe sends this. Dear Jane and Fee, I've been enjoying your discussions about the Ken doll and his moulded man parts. Did you know that ladies can have a Ken doll too? After mastectomy, some women opt for a Dieppe reconstruction, which uses fat from your abdomen to replace the tissue lost in the breast. They cut you across the middle, chop a bit out, and then pull up the bottom and top of your torso together and sew you back up. This results in your pubic mound moving higher up your body compared to where it would naturally be. Us cancer survivors call this effect the Ken doll. And some have it liposuction to minimise the effect. Photo attached for illustrative purposes. Uh, thank you for the many hours you've kept me company on my runs. Uh, well, Joe, thank you for the image. It's of a doll, don't worry. It's mm. not of anything else. But I'd never heard of that before. And uh, sometimes, don't you love it when you're allowed a little peek into somebody else's community? So for cancer survivors to have managed to be quite kind of funny about something yes. that has happened to them, that must actually feel so distressing and complicated sometimes yeah, sure. too. And painful, frankly, yes. from the sound of things. Uh, yeah. is, is just wonderful. So thank you for that, Joe. And obviously, Jane and I both hope that you're really well. Um, this is from Debs, who wants to compliment you on... Uh, Fee on your quotes handling of Sarah Elliott. <laughs> oh God! Oh, who was well, the we've had some complaints. Well, about we, that yeah, interview too. We've had. Uh, she was a Republican spokesperson, wasn't she? And the thing is, uh, we we need to understand that point of view because I do feel that it's hard for us to understand. But that shouldn't stop us trying. I mean, it really shouldn't. And we should say, Sarah, I'm sure will come on the program again. My understanding is that she's perfectly happy to come on again. Uh, so I hope she does. Um, anyway, I wish we as a country could see how different we really are, says Debs. Uh, if they didn't speak English, American, I think we would see them so differently. It's just my humble opinion. Um, thank you, Debs. Um, but we did have, yeah, we did. I've seen one email saying that we should never have invited her on if we didn't want to hear what she's got to say. But yeah. sometimes when people say things that are so ridiculous... Um, well, I think the comparison, so just in brief, uh, what Sarah Elliott was trying to do was to completely equate the... Is it 37 charges that Donald Trump is currently facing in a court in Florida with regard to his taking of secret documents mm. to the emails that Hillary Clinton yeah, had know. held on a personal email account rather than kept within the email account that should have been given by the US government? I couldn't see that as being directly analogous. And there were also some comments made about Hunter Biden and his behaviour, which is well documented. Yeah, I don't think anyone thinks Hunter Biden is a man without blemish. But he's Hunter Biden's not running for no. president, uh, his father is. So anyway, it's a slightly complicated interview, uh, which did contain some challenges, but it did also get quite heated. Uh, so if you want to go back and listen to it, it was in yesterday's programme. Sally is in a lovely place, um, Mosul Bay, I think that's the right pronunciation, in South Africa. Good day. Am I the only person driven mad by the use of X when the chronology suggests otherwise? For example, Jane said she once left her newborn with her ex-mother-in-law. Was the lady at that point actually an ex-mother-in-law or a current mother-in-law? If somebody says I went on holiday with my ex-husband, do they mean that they'd vacationed before <laughs> or after their divorce? I mean, this is a good point, Sally, to be fair. Would one say I went on holiday with my late husband? Um, actually, I'll answer that myself, she says. An overnight guest of mine did show up once with her wife's ashes on the front seat. Right. Uh, why on earth don't we use phrases like my then mother-in-law or my husband at the time? I think Sally's right. 
I'm sure Sally's right. Yes, I've never is. given it that much thought. I mean, the other option, Jane, you know full well, is just never mention them at all. Never mention. Never, never mention, mention them. Never at mention. All. I'm quite fond of my then mother-in-law. What about the husbands? She's certainly a character. <laughs> uh, Charlotte from Deal in Kent, thank you very much indeed uh, for all of your thoughts about attending uh, the Beyonce gig oh, yes. at it's Tottenham uh, Stadium. And uh, Charlotte has really just wanted to write to say how absolutely fantastic and joyful uh, Beyonce's whole music and show was. Uh, just a little bit, I'll read you. The audience was largely women and a large proportion were black and I really felt the audience's joy for the music and their affection for an artist at the top of their game. Beyonce's music means so much to so many. It was a thrill to be part of such a large, enraptured crowd. Afterwards, my boyfriend joked he'd like to get into football for a similar communal sensation. Uh, since the show, I've been reliving my experience through other fans' videos on Instagram where people are flaunting their outfits, dance moves and capturing moments from the dazzling show and actually all around uh, North London because Beyonce I think did a couple of nights didn't she at Tottenham and I, was she at Wembley as well or just Tottenham? No I think Tottenham. Just Tottenham. Yeah. Well I did see quite a few people on their way to Beyonce gigs just in the most fantastic sequined outfits with sequined cowboy hats and feather bows a go-go. Harry Styles is on at Wembley this weekend. Oh yeah, and you just feather bows yeah, there. You catch a glimpse of people who are just living the dream for a couple of hours mm. uh, so Charlotte thank you very much indeed for sharing that with us and just if that was off the back of my eulogising about the Coldplay uh, gig can we just say hello to Rosie who's been back in touch Chris Martin's sister we won't read out your email you've asked us not to but it's lovely to know that you're okay and still listening to the podcast uh, from time to time and uh, thank you very much for letting us know and also actually Rosie just wanted to mention a uh, another charity that's been set up by parents who have lost a child. Uh, this one is called Elizabeth.org and it's been set up uh, by a friend of hers, Nick, and it's after the loss of uh, daughter Elizabeth. And we will look into that. I think we want to talk about child bereavement a little bit more. Uh, and this is off the back of an interview we did with the wonderful Olivia Chapel whose son Horatio had died and she has continued his dream and set up a charity uh, which uh, makes gardens, doesn't it, for spinal injury That's right. centres. There is, a, I, I think there still is, a charity called Compassionate Friends which was set up to help people who had lost a child rather than a partner or another sort of bereavement and I'm pretty sure it's still going. Um, I mean, I think, well, I probably need, we need to check that probably, but I think it is still going. Uh, and I know it used to do brilliant work to try to, and I was, funny enough, I was, it's not funny at all, but um, during the programme today, there was um, coverage on the news channels, because we have obviously the TV screens on in the studio, of uh, the vigil at Nottingham University and the service that was held there by, amongst others, the university chaplain um, in memory of those two uh, young students who were killed the other night a very early morning wasn't it on Tuesday and it's it's so devastating because you just see a lot a lot of young people utterly destroyed mm. and the parents of the students were there as well and you know I mean it just it's it's sort of 
so awful to think that on Monday night they just went for a night out. Yeah. And I, we should say as well, we know that there was a, a middle-aged man, a man who was a school caretaker, who also lost his life that night. So a horrible, horrible set of circumstances. Yeah. But I think there are, um, I mean, it's so obvious, isn't it, that, that sometimes you want to move away from tragedy and you just can't cope with talking about something. And everybody has those kind of days or whatever but I think you're right that if you lose somebody when you're very young mm. a contemporary of yours you know in your teenage years where your entire world is about your future that's what's so very difficult isn't it for watching those teenagers now thinking you will live with that feeling of loss every step that you take every new thing that you do there is a sense that somebody can't come with you mm. on that journey and it's just different when you lose people you know in their 60s, 70s and, it, it and 80s. It doesn't mean it's not a tragedy, but, no, but it is very different. Very, very different. And I think we are not always very good at recognising that and really talking about it. Mm. Uh, can I just say, it's Nick and Nancy uh, who set up this charity, Elizabeth.org, so we may well pursue that, and thank you for getting back in touch. Um, I wanted to mention this from a GP. We, we won't uh, mention her name, but um, she says that I was listening to you talk uh, the other week about the rise in adults seeking diagnosis for autism and ADHD. I've been a GP for 13 years, and I don't think I'd ever referred anyone for this until a year or two ago. Now it's every other week. After a particularly gruelling week recently, three out of my last five patients on a Friday afternoon wanted a referral for autism or ADHD. Now while I appreciate for some this diagnosis and possible medication can be absolutely life-changing, others I am sceptical about. People who've had no issues at school or at university and are actually doing well in high-performing jobs are seeking referrals, and I do find it questionable. The wait for an assessment is currently around two years, and I can only see that getting longer. I think I'm also concerned by the over-medicalisation of what can be quite normal character traits. It's especially troubling that I was spending hours of my Friday afternoon filling in forms and scoring charts while patients like your listener with bowel symptoms can't get an appointment. Uh, well done if you've made it to the end of my rant, she says. On a lighter note, I believe that the chimes at Tokyo metro stations are to alert you to your stop if you're asleep. You become in tune to the chime you need and just wake up. Sounds crazy, but I've seen it with my own eyes. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That does remind. Thank you very much for that. And uh, there will be other GPs, I'm sure, who take a different view or haven't had that experience. But you know, if you have, um, do let us know. Um, the I meant to say the other day that this subway, the Tokyo Metro Station experience, reminds me of a holiday my sister and I took uh, to uh, what was what had just become St Petersburg in the early 1990s, and we set off uh, one afternoon on a journey on public transport <laughs> on the train because they've got these brilliant you've been haven't you yes. to these incredible metro stations of course what we hadn't the Garvey sisters hadn't sort of plumbed into the fact that we don't speak the language and couldn't see what station we were at <laughs> because of the different because writing for some unknown reason <laughs> foreigners didn't and they certainly didn't then have the English translation of the station so we realised early enough on in the journey just to do it by numbers and then come straight back. Do it by numbers and come straight back? Well, we what, did count like, the stations? Got count the stations. Oh, my God, offered. you have to stay very awake for that. <laughs> well, we did really wish to for about three stations <laughs> because we just went, oh, oh, go, go, oh. oh, it was pathetic. Anyway, there we go. I was only young-ish. So they must have to play the jingles in Japan very loud if they're going to break through a... 
commuters well, no, you're, doze. You're probably, you see, I, on the, going home last night on the train, I noticed a number, it was so hot, I noticed a number of people asleep. Now, I just don't get that. I appreciate if you've had a, God, you could have been on all sorts of, I don't know, day and night shift, you could be completely knackered. But I always get, had the temptation just to poke them occasionally and say, you know, do yeah, you, is this your stop? Yeah, do you want to get off or are you sort of here for the duration? Um, but it was, I don't blame anyone for sort of nodding off. But some people look to be in really, really deep, deep sleep, contented sleep. Do you think maybe uh, maybe you could start a very sensible kind of sticker campaign where you could just stick the station, a little sticker with the station on your front and then someone could notice, you know, that you needed to get off at Elephant and Castle because it said Elephant and Castle on your sticker. Oh, that would be helpful, would be, wouldn't yes, it? But you'd need like washable, reusable stickers, wouldn't you? Yes, I mean, or or you could just have a roll of stickers, and then you just keep it with, with you, and then the you just you just write the 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 name. Oh, down I see. Yes, you stick just have it a on. roll of white stickers. Yes, which are easily bought at Poundland. Do them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think you should start that as your contribution to society. Okay. I think that'd be very, very good. Right. Um, yeah. I'm still going to carry on trying to patent my truck of we. One day it will become a your thing. Your truck of we just yep. remind us of this great idea. The truck of we is because there are just never enough ladies' stalls available, yep. uh, especially in the old-fashioned theatre venues uh, across London and other major towns and cities. So I think that somebody could develop a truck that just has loads and loads of ladies' toilets on board. Drives around. Drives around, parks up in the interval, jobs are good. Sounds a good idea to Takes me. all the we off. Uh, if you wouldn't, you couldn't call it Shiwi, could you? Is there a sort of punny title involving theatricals, thespians, shows, playwee, play and playwee, showwee? Well, I just wanted to call it the Fiwi. Right. Well, we're going to get some advice on exercise and just what life is like post an Olympic gold medal in a moment or two from no lesser person than Sally Gunnell. Stick with it. Can I just do this email from Cathy in Memphis? I've got to get to the theatre because you just mentioned it and it's reminded me. Oh, OK. Right. No, don't worry. Uh, I lost my mother when I was 25 and she was 52. I'm really sorry about that, Cathy. A few years later, I started attending her high school reunion weekends with her best friend. We shared breath mints and heard so many fun stories stories i do think actually taking a breath mint to a reunion sounds like a very very good piece of advice <laughs> yeah. my question for anyone i met was can you tell me ways my mother loved life afterwards my mother's friend and i met in her hotel room for a thorough debrief and lots of laughs as the group got older they held reunions every year the last being the year covid started and these reunions are my very best memories what a lovely thing to do that is a great idea what a clever thing to yeah. do and to just keep memories alive, learn new memories, be in touch with people. Absolutely brilliant. I'd never, ever thought of doing that, but more people should. That's an excellent advice. Sally Gunnell in a moment. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Thank you very much, Kate. Thank you your contribution. <laughs> Kate's in charge tonight and she's just suggested that your truck of we should be called? The we-etter. 
Mm. <laughs> Look, it was good. I think just call it what it is. Just call it the truck of we toilet. Toilet. Right. Uh, let's move on. Let's try to just just illuminate a few lives here and perhaps encourage people to take up or continue with exercise in what is loosely speaking later life, although I fully intend to live to be 190. Um, Sally Gunnell was the 400 metres hurdles Olympic gold medalist for Britain in Barcelona back in 1992. She's now 56. She's still extraordinarily fit and she stays fit by moving at her desk, amongst other things. So we uh, dragged her into our studio earlier to show us something she calls desk-a-size. But she did start by telling us what exercise means to her now. Yeah, it's still an important part of my life. I would say it's more about my sanity. Right. Uh, shout less at the kids, you know what I mean? Um, all very slow, but I I still do exercise, you know. I do something most days, but I, I vary it. So I do go for a run, but it's usually with the dog and uh, we have a little stop when we get to the hill and things like that, which people find a bit strange. You know, do you not still go over hurdles or do and They're like, no, definitely not. The speed goes. Um, but I'll get into the gym. I do a bit of stretching, a bit of Pilates. Yeah, whatever I feel like doing, which is the nicest thing, isn't it? And what happens to your head if you don't exercise? Um, I get a bit grumpy. I do get a bit grumpy. Um, yeah, if I haven't done anything, you know, sometimes it happens for, you know, two or three days and I do get that little, like, I've got to go and do something and I just get a bit edgy. Um, but it doesn't have to be much. I can do something in 10 minutes, you know what I mean? So, but, and I feel better from it. So I guess it's that natural endorphins, isn't it? That, you know, exercise does create and helps and, you know, and it is, it is. It's about, you know, just being strong in the mind and, and yeah, puts me in a, better place mm. can i just ask and i hope this isn't negative but i'm really interested in the toll that that really tough training that you did earlier in, in your life has taken on you now as, as you've got older yeah yeah is your body question. impacted yeah. um i definitely have some aches and pains um you know i've got my back from hurdling all those years, top of my leg for throwing that leg out, if you know what I mean, across yeah. that hurdle. So I have definitely got some some issues from that, but it still amazes me that, you know, yeah, the intensity of that training you had twice a day, you know, every day more or less, that I can still, you know, my hips are fine, my knees are okay, I'm touching wood here, um, but I can still do what I can do. But a lot of what I do is about, you know, preventative things because I don't know what's going to happen to the body later in life, you know, mid-50s mid and how. So I don't know what, you know, the future, whether my hips are going to be okay or whatever. So I do try and keep all my muscles and my ligaments and flexibility because I just think, you know, I've, I've got to be prepared mm. almost. So it's the same sort of you know, mindset I probably I had when I run, but it's much more about wanting to keep myself as mobile and um, as I do age. And do you look at the younger athletes now, who I think uh, it would be fair to say are much more surrounded by science, aren't yeah. they? And information, nutrition, mental health awareness, all of the rest of it. Do you look upon that, I don't know, with a sense of mild envy? Because you wouldn't have had any of that type of no, stuff it, around. No, it's really interesting because I actually listened in on uh, with my husband who's a coach to top athletes and he's, he's he's talking to the physiologist and it's all about legs length and this and if they do that in the race and you know and and just yeah there's so much science behind it and there was part of me going God, what could I have done 
But also, it there's something about... Yeah, it does complicate things almost. There's too many things to think about. So I don't know. I'm a bit mixed because you had to learn and adapt and you had to try things. But then I go... If you were looking at it, and I, and I guess more to the recovery. So when you got injured, you were in having a scan the next day. We were sort of waiting a few weeks or months before you'd have the scan. And then, you know, I'd have six months off before, you know, they found out what was wrong in those. So I think that would really have helped. Um, and, yeah, I guess the sports science would have done. But there was something about it wasn't about simplicity and not being complicated. And at the end of the day, having the skills to make your own decisions at time and working it out yourself and being able to react without having to think. So a bit a bit of both, really. Can I just ask, what what is the best bit about winning a gold medal? Is it the <laughs> fact that you've got it in your locker forever as a brilliant yeah, memory to yeah. revisit in tougher times or what, what, what is it i i think it's about what what the body can do and what the mind can do and you know i only i ever run in those days because i was challenged by how good could i get and um and you know and that wasn't just physically but the mental side of it as well and and i think when you do actually achieve it's a bit of a shock it's a bit of a wow how did i actually do that because and it's not until you come away from the sport you realize how hard it is and um how many things you have to get right on those days and you're a little bit like, well, how did how did I do that? So even now I'm still sort of quite shocked. So I think it's about that. Um, and I think it's, you know, 30 years on, people still remember that moment. You mm. sort of feel like you'd have an achievement and there's always something on, because there's something next and what is that? And you'd get forgotten and you're only ever judged as your last race. But actually winning that gold medal, you're not just judged by that last race no. you know it's no. part of who you are for you're the next absolutely in all years. of our collective memories which, which is, is mad astonishing isn't it thing. it's crazy and, and and i guess then you know there was only five people that won those gold medals and i was the only woman so that's a nice thing yeah. of people saying where they were on that night in some dodgy bars and <laughs> holiday shouting at the deli i was at home watching you <laughs> yeah. um but that was when the bad old days when britain didn't win many medals no. but i guess it yeah. kind of paid off for the few of you that did because you stood out, I suppose. I think we did. Um, we stood out. Um, but, you know, after that, because we did so badly in Atlanta in 96, you know, lottery money did come in and the science behind it. And, you know, they all had sports psychologists and things like that. And that's why, as a nation, you know, they they recognise what how important it is to have funding and support. And, and I'm all for that, for sure. It has made a big difference. But, yeah, I think, you know, I was lucky to have my little niche moment at, at that time well we can't put it off can we no we can't we, we can't <laughs> we can't we're gonna have to talk about desk size now sally i know I it's know. an interesting yeah. one isn't it so i do a lot of sort of corporate well-being now and, and because everybody's doing this hybrid work and you know they're you know people are, are almost in some ways saying that they're just stuck at their computer because they don't allow themselves to get up move around so my my sort of thing is like well you can still do exercise at your desk so this is what you're going to workshop with us yes it's going to be interesting on the radio Uh, a little bit tricky (laughs) but we'll we'll try and cope uh so if uh if you are in an office 
like ours, you're probably on a swivel chair. I would have thought immediately, don't try and exercise on that. That that would be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. It could end up ice skating all over the place. Exactly. So, so no, you'd be best to hold on to. Well, to get a stable chair would be good or to put the brakes on at least or whatever else. Um, but it's amazing how, you know, how you can move around, even if you've got a very small area, isn't it? So I would just say the first thing to do is to put one leg out in front of you. Yeah. Try and lean forward as much as you can. And we're trying to speak to the mic here at the same time. But just mm. hold those stretches. Don't try and keep pushing it. So we'll just hold it in that position. But you have to reach down. You this can reach down as, front as, you, as far as you can, but keep nice and straight. Don't twist the body too much. You can move your foot up and down as well. So we're just trying to get the, the blood pumping around a little bit. Okay, and then the other leg. Conversation under the desk, can't we? Disappear under the desk. So reaching forward. That's nice. Legs forward. That's it. Gosh, I'm not as flexible as I might have hoped. And then you can reach up, arms up, and across over the head. Over to the head and reach to the left, and then to the other way. Yeah, we're all in our nice summer dresses doing this. You can do a couple of those. Uh, we really should. I think what's a very good one is to do squats. So you want to be able to stand up yeah. in front of your chair and then literally hold your hands out and yeah. then you're just going to squat oh, down. So your bum almost touches. That's it. And are you meant to keep your knees Keep together. your knees so your feet are slightly out. Okay. Yeah, and then keep that as though you're just about to touch your bottom. So nice straight back, you can lean forward a little bit. But use your core, so you're using your core as well. And just up and down. There you go, you get your heart hands. rate going, you get your legs. So, so many knee problems are because you've got weak thighs. So I okay. always say to you, even just do a nice simple squat. We've got no weights, and you're at your desk. This is chair. very nice. This is very nice. There you yeah, go. Nice. Oh, I've had an injury, so I'm going to have to sit down. Yeah. Um, do you recommend weights actually? Because you can go, you can go a bit wrong with weights if you're not sure what you're doing. Um, as I've aged, definitely, and I'm experimenting with them. I'm doing sort of three weight sessions a week because I cannot believe how our muscles just fall off um, as we get older, and of course, it's all sorts of you know hormone reasons and everything like that. And that's just me that you know probably does quite a lot of exercise before and I was doing quite a lot of cardio but my muscles are just gone um, and I was having bad uh, back problems and I've just experimenting and I think with weights you, you need a good program you need somebody that helps you you need to do it correctly they don't have to be heavy but the difference is incredible you just feel strong as a person um, you know you, you just I don't know my aches and pains have gone which I think is, is brilliant mm. um, um, and yeah, I think it is so much more the way forward of how people are thinking, and and it and it's great for your metabolism. So you know, if you are trying to lose weight as well, so you kickstart the metabolism so that the fat burns as well. So it's not always about going out and running or cardio as well. It, it, you know, you can get that weight loss from uh, from doing weights as well, and it's all over. You know, you can get you can work every muscle because if you have got problem areas, and often you know, for so many of us, it's our tummy area. Mm. You you can't just spot and try and lose that area. You've got to work the whole area to try and, you know, 
finally get to that sort of tummy area, which is my problem as, uh, after three kids and whatever else. So, um, yeah, and that's and, and weight training is a very good mm-hmm. or resistance. You can use bands. You can just oh, yeah, you can just use your own body weight. You don't have to always have the weight, a heavy and weight. And that's what the squats are. Exactly, isn't it? you're using yeah. your own body weight, and there's so much you're going to press ups against a wall as you're putting the kettle on in the morning. You know, some little tries. Dips for your little we could baggy do that in the news bulletin, Jane, couldn't we? A couple of press ups against the wall. <laughs> we could. <laughs> we could. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time in my case. Um, can I ask? Can you still? Could you do the hurdles? Um, probably if, not. No, I think well, I probably. Well, I could do a few little drills. Uh, I'd probably hurt the hamstring. It is. Yeah. It just goes. And it just wouldn't look very nice. No, so I not... probably wouldn't attempt. No, but let's say you're truth. being pursued by an animal and you needed to jump over a fence. <laughs> would you be in you'd be a better place than me? I probably. It would something would come out, wasn't it? Last year we went to a festival and Colin Jackson, the other hurdler, was there and they made us hurdle over a hay bale. It was quite interesting how was we it? both managed to get over it. Did you manage? Uh, we did, but his looked better than mine. Mine wasn't elegant whatsoever, but we got to the other side and entertained a few. <laughs> Is there a community of former hurdlers? That's very sweet, actually. I know, isn't it sweet? <laughs> no, I, I guess, you know, going back those times, you know, Linford Christie and, and Colin Jackson and myself were like sort of like the three names. So we had some good times, some challenging times, but we all supported each other and, and you, yeah, you stay friends for forever you don't you don't mm. forget uh, one more desk size before we let you go could we could we try your tricep dips please tricep dips yes yeah. we can but we've got to try and talk to the mic at the same time so you well sort don't of worry it'll pick us go up go behind oh look at this yeah this you put your much. feet out front yeah. you're, you're sort of leaning against yes and you just sort of dip down just a little bit and you can feel with those bingo wings. That's nice. Though. Yeah, so you can do I mean, that in nice the kitchen. After three, you can yeah. do that anywhere. After <laughs> forty-five, I don't. Yeah. Okay, that was a good idea. But there so, um, we go. Oh, that's very good. Easy, easy Sally. Easy. Thank you very much. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you yeah, for don't sit me down. Don't no, sit exactly. Down. No, keep standing. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, very lovely to meet you. Thank you very much. For thank you. In. Thank you. Sally Gunnell, I thought she was lovely. And she did, I remember watching that race and being so happy for her when she won because those were the days when Britain didn't have a lot to celebrate in Olympics. It really didn't. Now I think people are a bit spoiled. They expect loads and loads of gold medals. Or after Super Saturday. Yeah, it's not going to be like that again, I don't think. Do you not? Well, it won't be that good again, but I, I think we do so much better now than we ever used to. So I was at um, Atlanta... <laughs> In 1996. Oh, no, this isn't going to be the House of International Pancakes anecdote, no, is that. it? It's just that we only won one medal. I think it was... <laughs> yeah, no, that is that boring. Just really isn't it? boring. Yeah. yeah I mean, Whereas we were... Uh, where did we end up on the medals table at the 2012 Games? Uh, third, third, I think, yeah. which, which is quite incredible. It um, certainly is. Yeah, and oh, they were happy days, weren't they? 2012? Yeah. They were. Yep, mm. they really were. And I was naive enough to think that... Uh, the 2012 games would slightly kind of shift London a bit into a smilier, happier place. Because even the cab drivers were happy, Jane. They've never been They happy. weren't initially, were they? Do you remember the Olympic lanes? Oh, they were in yeah. a right old huff, but then yeah. they just did that, that magical thing. They literally turned on a sixpence like their cabs can do. <laughs> and after the opening ceremony, you just couldn't hear enough joy from a London mm. cab driver. Oh, funny that, isn't it? Right. Um, well, thank you very much uh, for taking part in my <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
Excuse me. No, I'm only saying that because I've got to wind up because I'm never going to make the start of the show. What are you seeing? I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll give you a yeah, full, okay. and, full and frank review. Okay, and um, have you had a wee? Um, yeah, well, don't worry, I'll be going 400 times. Have you got is, some breath mints? Um, no, because I've got my friend's bringing a can of Coke and I've just got a quick chicken wrap I've got to eat. Okay, go, 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 Bye. go, go, Bye. go, go. Get to culture. Before culture gets to you. Uh, good night, everybody. Jane and Fee at times.radio is the email address for my podcast that Jane sometimes contributes to. You see, I feel no, quite uncomfortable. No, I feel me. uncomfortable saying that. I feel uncomfortable saying that. Uh, it's our podcast, and do get in touch. We always love hearing from you. Goodbye. I, know, I won't get a wink of sleep tonight, not just because of the heat, because I'm just so worried about Boris Johnson's fate at the Privileges Committee. Good luck, everybody. You did it. Elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings, otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We miss the modesty class. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man, it's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week, and you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day, as well as a genuine interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com